You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. I want to talk to you this morning about goals, God, and our identity. And I'd like you to just say three words together with me. I'll say it, then you say it. Who before do. Okay, who before do. I love setting goals. I'm going to talk about that in a bit. But the key idea behind who before do is that you have to be clear on your identity, who you are, before you jump into action, what it is that you're going to do. We're going to get into why this is so important. We're going to first look at Jesus and look at teachings and scriptures that relate to this in our lives. But as I was running this morning and thinking about this and going, what is it? What is it that's so critical in my life that connects this identity piece that needs to precede the goal-setting piece so that I have victory? And you know what he told me? You have to say no a lot when you set good goals. And unless you're clear on who you are, who God's declared you to be, you won't say yes to the right things, and you'll struggle to say no to the right things. Now, you think about the goals that were set before Jesus. You're just going to sidle your way into humanity and save them all. You're going to be the fulfillment of every promise, every covenant, every blessing ever bestowed on all of mankind. You're going to never once say yes to temptation. Doesn't matter what expectations people will put on you, you will only do what the Father tells you to do. You think of how many intersections in Jesus' choices and mind existed every moment to say yes or to say no. Every one of those goals that Jesus did perfectly fulfill only came about after his father declared to him publicly his identity. And if you are in a place that many are, I've discovered, in conversation after conversation, struggling with goals, this is going to work really well for you. Because it relates to understanding clearly what God says about you. In a moment, I'm going to have John Wason come up and read from Psalm 139. But before we do that, I just want to read to you one line. It exists in different ways in all of the Gospels, but the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all express it almost identically from the Greek to the English. We know that Jesus is about to start going public. His cousin John, the very one that Albert recognized last week, was leaping in the womb before being born was able to recognize Jesus as well at the river. And Jesus wanted to be baptized by John, and John knew his place, and he said, I think you should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, this is an obedient step. And Jesus and John go into the river. Jesus is baptized, and there's this moment. I'll read it from Luke 3, but it's in Matthew and Mark as well, where the Father says, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. 
You are my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. Now we know that day after day, and often very early, and often alone, Jesus went out and had more of those conversations. But this is the one that the scriptures share with us. And this becomes the fuel, the clarifying identity piece, out of which every goal and every target and every habit and every choice Jesus would ever make and accomplish was structured. And if you're in a place in your life where you've not heard God speak clearly into you, who you are based on only how he sees you, you're going to struggle to say yes to what's right, you're going to struggle to say no to what's wrong, and goals are going to be places of shame. And so let's look at this. Only after the father declared Jesus his loved son, only after that was he led by the spirit to win over temptation, to work miracles, to preach the gospel. All of Jesus' goals started to be accomplished after this identity declaration. We're going to have John come up here. We're going to read from Psalm 139. This is a most beautiful psalm that's shared. And John, come on up. He's going to read uh, verses 1 to 4 and then verses 13 to 17 and probably pretty close what's on the screen to what he reads. But we all love to hear John read, right? Because God's gifted him with this. And so take the word of God via your servant. And here we go. Go ahead, John. Thank you, Stacy. I, when I walked into this space this morning, uh, Shirley was uh, reading in, uh, in her Bible, and I, and I asked her if there was anything new in there. <laughs> and uh, her response, every time that she reads. So here we are, Psalm 139. Let's read it uh, for the first time new this, this morning uh, in the context of what uh, Stacy is unpacking for us. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And now to verse 13. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Thank you. That's the Lord's word to us. A little later on, after we're setting up for lunch, I'm going to put a sheet of paper on each of the tables, and it'll say, true identity, what God says about me. And that could provide some great lunch conversation. So we know from that reading and many other scriptures that God has intimate knowledge of us, and even before you were physically present, 
God knew every day of your life, every choice you would make, every word you would say. So talk about the one who knows you best. There's no knowledge that even comes close to that knowledge that he has of us. And so when we give equal weight to multiple voices into our lives about who we are, what our values are, what we stand for, who we're here to be, we do a disservice to the one who created us and knit us together. Because only when he gets the only word do we get clear on who we truly are. We know we belong. We know we're loved. We know he's able, and we know he's completely in charge. We know he's overseeing every breath of our existence. And I think from that, I'm flooded with hope, possibility, clarity, and confidence. Now, I want to talk about the goals piece a little bit. I love setting them. For years now, I've had this Google sheet. I rework it every year. It's got 52 sections to it, one for each week of the year. I started out in these faith, family, finance, friendship, fun categories, and then it kind of exploded beyond that. And I started to build out all the habits and all the actions and the daily rhythms that would be part of each of these areas that would have texture, that I could build my day and the patterns of my day so that I could have goals that really got me excited every day. And you might right there go, wow, that's just a little much. <laughs> I get it. Then I started to add in a few years back some annual targets so that I was building each of my daily actions and habits and rhythms towards these annual targets that would say, yeah, you've made it there. That's what you were shooting for. And that got me further excited. And then this year I came up at the close of last and it was November. It was starting to be December and I was like, I just can't seem to pull it together. I wanted to copy and paste it, but it didn't work anymore. And I was like, Lord, what are you showing me? Why is it delaying? Why can't I just get excited to jump into 2023 the same way? He says, because there's so much more that you haven't even touched on yet. I was like, okay. How long do I have to wait to hear? And then he started to speak to me. And show me that he wanted to blow apart my structure and start showing me areas and facets and dimensions of my life that I'd never asked him about before. And boy, if there's anything I want to pass along to you today, it's this. He has something to say about every aspect of your life. And often I think I haven't known because I haven't asked. And he said, Stace, I want you to have a sense of clarity about who I say you are in each of these areas. So that when you set goals, they're animated by your identity. This has become adventure and freedom in a way I've never experienced before. Because he's given me these I am statements that are straight from my father's heart that are so different than filling in cells in a spreadsheet. I meet with a group of leaders often for mentoring and when we got together this last week I said to them without explaining anything of what I've said here yet I said to them today I'd like to talk to you about goals what's been your experience guys around setting goals the response of person after person because they each spoke to it was one of shame being overwhelmed 
inability, failure. It was all these statements related to not enough. Well, I used to set goals, but I don't anymore. I know I'm supposed to write them down, but I just think about them. Sometimes I have goals, but then they feel like they're too much. And it was just person after person, this sense of burden and shame, and it's too much. I was like, oh, they've been swallowing the same toxic stuff I was. We all know goals are good for us. And yet most of us, I experience, are mired in a sense of shame, and we're not sure how to break out of it. I believe this is a key for us to do that. And I think there's really only one response that we can accurately, biblically give to every one of those shame statements, those guilt senses, those feelings of being overwhelmed when someone speaks that way about themselves or speaks that way into another person's life. It's, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? In the sense of, who is the one who gives you life and breath? Because as soon as we connect our lives to a loving, eternal father, everything shifts. Think of that son that we, the scriptures talk about in Luke 15, the lost son or the prodigal son. He had a loving father with lots of resources. He walked away from the home and the family. He set horrific goals, and I think he accomplished them all. And they left him completely empty. But there's that beautiful turning point when he's working on a farm feeding pigs. It says he came to his senses. That was an identity moment. He remembered there was a loving father and a welcoming home, and there was a place to return to. And that had always been there, but he'd forgotten it. And he was thinking maybe he'd get a half-hearted welcome. Uh, you can join the servants in the bunkhouse, but actually, who's your daddy was revealed. The father came running when he saw the son from a long ways off and further established what the son had sensed all along. I'm deeply loved. I'm completely wanted. I'm valuable. I belong here. Do you know that lies often sound like our own voice? I, I want you to actually say that with me. Lies often sound like my own voice. Just what you're saying right out of your mouth right now, that's how your lies sound, but usually they're just working away in there. And we become so familiar with that dialect we've trained ourselves to hear that we hear it and we go, well, that's from me, so it can't be wrong. It is. It's often a lie taking every thought captive, making it obedient to who your daddy is, is essential for you to break free from that and start to have a different soundtrack. There's actually a book by that title recently released by author John Acuff. It's called Soundtracks. The audio version is read in part by his teenage daughters who helped write the book with him. And it's a fantastic way for people to blow the cover on the lies and the toxic that's going on. And he basically says... We need to learn to be our brain's DJ. You get to change the track. And at one point he notes in his writing, overthinking isn't a personality trait, it's the sneakiest form of fear. So you might be a busy person without a sense of who you are, 
You might be a listless, and some would even call you lazy person without a sense of who you are. It doesn't matter where you land in this. Lies get us all. When we don't have a sense of identity, we flounder. I want to put together a few truths and principles here that break us free and move us forward in this. The first I want to give you is this. Identity has a cascading effect, generationally and spiritually. If you have a parent in a family who knows clearly from their loving Heavenly Father who they are, who they're here to be, how they're to function and love and live, they in turn will go to their son or their daughter while modeling to the parent, the co-parent, a life of love and acceptance. That younger person in the family then is having their true identity spoken over them by their parent. They will in turn, generally speaking, continue to cascade those types of messages and true identity statements over those who come after them. So identity has a cascading effect. But I'll say this, a quote that'll come up on the screen, and by the way, shout out, I think, to Luke, who's doing the slides today. This is a first time for him. It's a big deal. And so shout out to Luke for hitting the slides. Thank you, buddy. Woo! An identity crisis comes when our parent doesn't model for us who God says they are, nor speak over us who God says we are, right? The best horrific example of this in our living memory is Canada's residential school system. We pull people from the arms and the communities of their parents and grandparents. We put them in places where truth is not spoken over them. And when they're left back to their own devices, the brokenness and lack of clarity on identity becomes the cascading effect that goes into the next generation. And the reason it cascades is because identity declarations flow along the lines of authority. Not every voice is the same in our heads because the voices of best friends, of teachers and coaches, and most of all parents linger and resound and echo year after year. Every one of us, I believe, has a few lies rattling around in there that someone at one point, very likely not even intending to hurt us or mess with us, said something we may have even grabbed it out of context. And then in our own voice, we repeat it over and over and over again. We need a fresh, a fresh fire, a fresh wind, a fresh voice that speaks to us from the Father that declares who we truly are. Now think about how when we know, spiritually speaking in our family, what God says about himself... And he models perfectly as a father who he is. And he's got that obviously nailed down. God's got his identity clear. And from that perfect identity, he then speaks into our lives. Then we start to live true to who he says we are. We're able to push aside the voices and the lies that are broken about us. And now we have the ability, listening to God, to look into other people's lives and see how he truly sees them as well the identity has a cascading effect. 
So an accurate knowledge of who God is and an accurate knowledge of who God says we are is essential. You ever been driving down the road and a person driving a truck is able to message to you that they love riding a Harley? Right? They have a Harley sticker on their truck, not on their motorbike. Because, another principle, bonds create a sense of identity. Bonds, relational bonds and connection create a sense of identity. So if a person loves their horse, it starts to affect their wardrobe, their speech, what they talk about. I've, in the last week, met two people who are first-time grandparents. Whole new identity. There's this new little human they're absolutely bananas about, and when you meet them and ask them how they're doing, they just, I'm so excited. I've got this new bond. It's amazing when that hits you. So why is it then that a person who in Life Tree on Sunday says, Hallelujah, praise Jesus, I love him so much, encounters someone on the sidewalk, in the park, in the library, or at work, and they're asked to describe themselves or overview their life or their week, and it actually feels a little bit embarrassing to even mention you went to church? You'll talk about yourself as a parent, as a spouse, as a neighbor, as a business person, as a student, in your athletic pursuits, what you eat, your hobbies. And this bond with Jesus, the one who's overall in your life, from whom all of our identity flows, what's the bond like? And what I find is most people in natural conversations who declare Jesus Lord of their life will probably toss him in there around 5th, 6th, 7th, or 8th if he gets mentioned. So there's actually been a a personal choice that I believe expresses almost as a revulsion from the Father, which is completely contrary to how he sees me. He loves, accepts me, and forgives me exactly as I am, and I'm like, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that, and I name off all my bonds, and Jesus doesn't get mentioned. Huh. I guess we know where that person's identity is coming from then. You know what happens to people when they retire and their bond was their work. So this gets really exciting when you lean into relationship with the Father. Any of God's attributes you learn about or I learn about and then lean into becomes parts of our identity. So I'll give you an example, and then I'm going to ask for some crowd participation here. Because he's a king, I'm a servant. That immediately sets me up in certain settings to know how to respond. Because he's a father, I'm a child. So I have total permission to ask. Right? Because he's loving, I'm loved. Because he's a provider, I always have enough. Okay? Now, this can go on for an hour or more, but let's just take a minute. You say, because he is, I am. What are some other statements we could pull from this? Because he's royal, 
There we go. Because he's faithful, I can trust. There we go. I've got peace because he's a peaceful God. And I'm actually expected to get the forgiveness that I give. Because he's a forgiver, I'm forgiven. No guilt, no shame. It's all gone. What else? Scott, you had something. Amen. We can always have hope in every situation. There we go. Because he loves the unlovely, I'm an unlovely lover. Yes. No discrimination. The better we know him, the more it says about who we are as his child. Here's the, here's the principle that I like the most. This one's actually, I saved it for near the end here because it's so exciting in my mind. God sees my potential, so he declares me to be who I'm becoming. Now, this is so all through scripture, it's pervasive. Because he knows who I'm going to become, he gets away with, he gives us permission to say we are the person who we're becoming. Now, start thinking about individuals and scriptures and teachings that land on this. I love the fact that right after we find in scripture that John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and we have this from heaven declaration, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. What does John say about Jesus? He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus had done nothing yet to take away the sin of the world other than show up, which I guess is a big piece. But he hadn't died on a cross. He hadn't shed any blood. He hadn't finished a sinless life. And we don't, we don't question that statement at all because we know, looking back, it absolutely happened. When God says this about you, it's absolutely going to happen. And so he says it's not audacious. It's filled with faith and hope to say you are who you're becoming. So the Midians are surrounding Israel in the book of Judges. And Gideon is threshing out wheat in a wine press. He's hiding from a dominant enemy. And it says the angel of the Lord shows up and says, greetings. The Lord's with you. You're a mighty warrior. Well, he's a little weenie in hiding. And God says, no, you're a mighty warrior. And the cool thing is Gideon lives up to who he's becoming. He's done nothing yet in his life. There's nothing in his resume that says he's a mighty warrior, except God said he is. And that's enough. An old man and his wife pushing a hundred, and God shows up in their tent and says, father and mother of nations, uh, they've never had a baby, and they can't. And the second one of them laughs, God says, how dare you? Because I just said you are. Hey? And they lean into that promise and they start to live as father and mother of nations. Who they're becoming, they're permitted now to say they are. Guys, this gives us freedom. This gives us freedom to step out of the lies that we often hear our own voice, start to listen to what our father says about us, and lean into that. Peter, the guy who's going to betray, walk away, be told, Satan, get behind me. He makes a faith declaration about who Jesus is, and Jesus says, you're a rock. I'm building my church on you. 
There's nothing in the next chapters of my Bible that says, yep, this is really working out. But it does. The ultimate statement in the history of Israel is that God says, this is your land. You're going to come out of Egypt. You're going to cross the sea. You're going to go through the wilderness. And this is your land. Take possession. And out of several million people, two go, yep. And everyone else dies. Because who they were becoming, they were allowed to say they were. And we got Joshua and Caleb that stood the test. Oh, who else? Who else can you think of? King David, what's the example there? Youngest of eighth? Yes. He's anointed by Samuel as king and then has to wait decades until he steps into his kingship, but he always functions, leads as a king. Totally. Who else? Joseph had that dream. And then he's like hanging out in the bottoms of cisterns. He's in prison. He's accused of crimes. But there's a, there's a call in his life of who he's becoming. Who else? Oh, listen to it. I'll just let it go. Think about it. Daniel and Samson, and it keeps going on. Guys, this is us. You get to put your name in the list. And see, if you've not been listening a whole lot, then you might not know who you're becoming which means you're stuck in what you've done that maybe you see as failure or shame or letting God down. Why this is so beautiful is that once God has said something into our life, then just like at the beginning of Genesis, his word is spoken and it creates, it brings about, it births the very thing he said. So when he looks into your life and he says, you are this, and you go, I'm not sure. He says, no, I just said it. You are. Because nothing stops his word creating. Because he's the only one who takes nothing and makes it something. We just move stuff around as people. He takes non-existing material and makes something beautiful. This is what a creator does. He's crystal clear on our identity. Back to the young leaders group that I met with this week on the topic of goals. We took a time to pray through their identities person by person. And the whole point was, let's listen. What does God want to say about each one? And for one of them, the word was, you're studious. And that person responded with, oh, I've always wished I was. I've just enrolled in university. I'm overwhelmed by how hard it is for someone God Almighty, to speak into my life and say, I'm studious, this is amazing. This was like a breakthrough declaration over his life. Another person in the group, the declaration over this person's life was generous. The response, it's usually a lie. I've never thought of myself as generous. But you know how that person's evening started with us? He said, God's never really spoke to me. I just feel like I'm waiting and he's silent. And through the course of our prayer time on identity, he said, God just told me he has so much stuff to say. I got to get home and get my journal out because he's just going to start telling me things. The expectation completely changed. 
guys, this is like a playground for us as children of the Father. He wants to talk to you about your emotions. He wants to talk to you about your attitude. He wants to talk to you about your secret thoughts. He wants to talk to you about your energy levels. There is an unlimited list of areas of your life that God has something to say about your identity. And the more you hear from him, the clearer it becomes, the more confident and hope-filled the direction you're going to take will be. So with clear identity comes a reinforcing loop. With clear identity comes a reinforcing loop. You'll see this up on the slides. You get your sense of identity from what the Father says about you. You set goals out of that that become habits that you daily live out. And whenever you accomplish something that you've set out to do, your confidence grows. And from the confidence, you know what happens? God says I could do this. God says I'm this. God says I'm becoming this. And it reinforces exactly what you set out to do. So goals and habits are going to, as they connect to your identity, build confidence in God. The result of this is you'll become adventurous. Because as your confidence in God grows and as he keeps showing off that he knows everything about me, he knows everything about you, and he's like, well, what about asking me about this area? Because I'd like to tell you. Did you want to ask me about this area where you feel stuck? Because I'll tell you about that too. And you're going to have a new experience of him providing and, and you being the person he's declared you to be. And that's going to make you more adventurous again. It takes you completely out of goals being rigid, legalistic, and rigorous. This is a, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, journey of identity with him. You guys may have heard of the author James Clear. He's got a great quote that ties into this. Every action you take is a vote toward the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. So let's wrap it up. Who before do? Identity before action. The cascading effects of identity, that the bonds influence identity, that authority influences identity. I'm going to give you on the final slide up there three things to consider, to do, to take away. We can put these up on the Facebook page if that's a place you go for the Life Tree Facebook page. Take some time this week to listen to what God says about you in every imaginable dimension of your life. I don't find him keen on being silent here. He loves bragging on his kids. I don't know how often my kids are like, oh, dad, stop. Because we love this person. We love this child. We love talking about our kids and telling others how great they are and the cool things they've accomplished. Who would go to a father about their child and say, tell me more about the child? And he's like, no, I don't really want to talk about him. That's not my father. When you've done that, determine some goals and habits to hone or to establish to live out that identity that he's declared over you. Critical final step here, write it down. Share it with someone who loves Jesus and loves you so that you know that they're going to lean into that part of your identity. They're going to support what God's wanting to do in your life. Okay? As we talk as a congregation going through this year about eating together and praying together, being in the word when we seek first his righteousness and his kingdom, we're steeping ourselves in our identity. Because we're surrounding ourselves in community and in the word with all that reinforces who God says we are.
I'd like to pray for you, pray with you, and then Caleb's going to come and give us directions so we can get into lunch and hanging out together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you've shown us the way. Thank you that you're this pioneer and perfecter of our faith who took statements from our Father over yourself and then lived out what you were called to live. We step into that same opportunity and privilege as sons and daughters of a loving Father. We receive from you what you have to say. Anything that doesn't line up with it, we push it aside. I pray blessing over each one here that they would be so excited to adventure with you what you want to speak to them, that prayer would become, you do the talking, Lord. We'll do some listening. We'll do some learning as you speak into our lives. We pray that each one would be excited about their identity as they get to know their Heavenly Father more. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.